0: Here, my name is Mark Speeder. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch Fullerton. I want to uh, welcome you guys here. Um, as Hubert alluded to, as he's in the tithe earlier, um, if you're new here, we'd love to meet you. I'll be in the back after service and just want to invite you to make yourself a home. Got a gift for you and just love to pray for you, however else we can, we can be a blessing to you here as a church family. Um, well, uh, anyone going to hike for hope yesterday? <laughs> I'm a little, uh, y'all without kids, are having a great time going up the hill. I was pushing a double bob stroller with, like, two kids at, like, a, you know, 65-degree angle. Uh, so I am a little sore here, so if I'm grunting uh, up here, I'm a little sore. I uh, hadn't been this sore in a while. Um, and and I, I know we mentioned a number of things this morning. I just want to testify to one other thing. Um, uh, Craig and I, actually, Craig's really good friends with them uh, up at Antioch in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, One of their core uh, families who's on the leadership team, of the church, their, I think it's like two-year-old son, something like that, had cancer. And um, so their church began to pray. The whole church prayed and fasted. They filled out, you know, 24 hours a day for numerous days a week, praying for healing for the kiddo. And then, um, so uh, they pray. Some of you guys are praying in this room. So anyways, they go to a checkup to this kid this last week. And uh, the scan comes back. He's completely miraculously healed. (laughs) I love that. And the doctor said, I don't know, you know, what happened other than if you guys are praying God, God has heard your prayers. Uh, So it's like verified miracle by the doctors. And I just want to say, I love seeing the church be the church, and I love our Savior even more. He's amazing. So, um, so awesome. Well, uh, if you've been here the last number of weeks, we've been doing a series called The Family of God, and we've been talking about, you know, God, I believe, was intentional when he created family. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't like something he had to come up with because people started having kids. Uh, I believe God designed family as a beautiful, yet messy and awesome thing that changes lives and is bedrock for our society and world. And so you see, actually, throughout Scripture... God used the analogy of family to describe us as the church. And so God calls us the family of God. And the first week I talked about um, kind of how we approach the family of God and, and the difference between approaching church as kind of a business that we pay to get services from versus a family, and depending on how we approach Church, will have a very different experience of it. I believe when we approach church as a family, we get loved, we get transformed, and we get to be a part of something so awesome. We talked about uh, the church and the family of God being a place that we find our value and our identity. Um, of course, you know, we fought it in Jesus' as parents. I am... Just from their youngest age, and just speaking purpose and destiny and value over our kids. No matter what the world says, they're going to hear from my wife and I. They're loved. They are valuable. And as they are saved, they are pure by the blood of Jesus. They are forgiven. They are whole by Jesus' blood. And we're going to, and so in the same way in the family of God, we, we are reaffirmed of our identity and value that we have in Christ. And lastly, and this last week we talked about family is a place where we grow up uh, in, in life and in God. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking in life group even this last week as we we're talking, we have a number of families that we know closely in life group, and uh, even just reminded of a time, had lunch with a, a guy I'm close with in our life group, and um, this is in the fall, and he, he just sat down, he's so loving awesome. he said, man, I want to challenge you in this area in your marriage, because I feel like this area you need to grow in is really affecting your wife. And I don't remember the exact words, but it was so loving. But you know what? I needed to hear it. And you know what? I'm his pastor, but you know I've also, we walk in community with other people. And so we need it. I need it as a pastor. We all need it. And you know what? That has not only blessed me, it's blessed my wife. Because I've gotten to grow as a result of being in community, right? And I believe God has designed it to be the same way that whether it's encouragement or Harder conversations are just being around people that are going for Jesus and, and that being encouraging along the way God has designed us to grow in relationships with others. We'll turn to Luke 14 as we start here. I want to pray as you turn there. We've got a couple people bringing Bibles down the aisle. If you need a Bible, put your hands up. i love to put one in your hands. I'm going to pray as we start. Father, thank you for your word that is living and active. Thank you. Uh, for your design for family, your design for church to be a family. And as awesome and even as messy as it is sometimes, God is so powerful. And Lord, I thank you for that. Um, And God, continue to make us family. Continue to help us to understand what that means and be that for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you are here last week, you know, I started by talking about... Our kids, because unashamedly, man, I, I'm really excited about our kids. <clears throat> I love our kids. You know, we we spend a lot of time with our kids, and we spend a lot of time with them where we we shut off ministry, we shut off all the different things outside. Not because we don't love y'all, we love y'all, but uh, God has called uh, our first priority to be Him and and our family. <laughs> and so, for example, on Friday, uh, I actually take some Fridays off and. So uh, we went up to the mountain. Now, I thought since it rained on Thursday, there'd be snow up at the top of Mount Baldy. And so I got the kids all bundled up, and well, we're going to make some memories in the snow. And sure enough, I got up there, and there was no snow. Uh, and I started getting higher and higher in the elevation. And I started preparing my, the hearts of my kids. I said, hey, y'all, so there's a possibility there might not be snow. What can we do if there's not, you know, and, and uh, Judah came and said, we can play on the mountain anyway. So we, 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 uh, we had a lot of fun making memories, and, and, and we do that as a family. We take our kids on dates, or just one-on-one, doing what they love to do. Just like, what do you want to do? Let's do what you want to do. It's awesome, and we're just getting that quality time. We're pursuing the hearts of our kids, I love, We draw out our kids and figuring out what they're passionate. As they're growing up, is so fun. Like you love soccer and you love drawing and you love you know this and that. It's awesome. So, man, we're doing soccer. We're doing gymnastics. We're doing all these different things, and it's fun to make a way for the desires and passions of our kids. <clears throat> and so we love our kids, and they they you know alongside Jesus and my wife, they get my best, and uh, they get my wife's best. And um, at the same time, as much as I love our kids, I believe that healthy, the healthiest families have a vision that is bigger than just themselves. The healthiest families have a vision that is bigger than just themselves or what they want or some type of self-fulfillment. So in our family, we are busy, right? We're doing, like I said, we're doing soccer, we're doing school, we're trying to figure out different things. But we're not just running from thing to thing, trying to figure out get our value from that and trying to get our kids to be somebody in the world by being straight-A students and trying to get them to be the best at everything they do, so they can feel better about themselves and we can feel better about ourselves as parents. We're not just running some rat race, although life is busy. We're not running some rat race trying to try and get something for our kids or get something for themselves. As I said two weeks ago, we find our value in Jesus. We have peace, not because we achieve something but because we're loved, and our kids are loved, and therefore, because my kids are loved by us, and even more importantly, by God, they're going to be free. Sure, they're going to be imperfect. Sure, they're going to struggle at times. Sure, you know, they're still going to need a savior, you know, um, and our oldest did get saved. It's awesome, but, um, but we're raising kids with a vision that's bigger than themselves, Right? and I don't think it's what they want to do versus what God wants. You know, I think God puts desires in our hearts a lot of times, but um, we're not saying, man, our kids have to have you know the best, what is the best thing, and we're going to be stressed out if the kids don't get in the best absolute school, and we're going to feel like we failed as parents. Or No, God has designed each kid differently, and man, we're raising kids to get a degree not for themselves, but for God and others, so they can take that degree and serve God and people with it right now I believe God is putting desires in their hearts. so we're gonna draw them out we're gonna walk with them through the process uh, and, and we've got a few years to go on that one but man we're, we're raising up for a vision that's bigger than themselves so we go have fun in soccer you know it's not like we're just super spiritual like every time you kick the ball said the name of Jesus we're not no that's weird you know <laughs> so it's not like it's not like it's only about Jesus no <clears throat> In the kingdom, God is into everything, right? So go have fun playing soccer. Go have fun with your friends. Go have fun with the kids you love to play with. And on the way to soccer, let's pray and glorify God. And let's ask, is there another kid who's having a hard time, who's not being included? Is there a family that we need to come around and encourage as a family right now? As we're going about life, we're doing the kingdom of God. That's why we take our kids to Tijuana, Mexico, Does it make sense financially? Not necessarily. But we're raising kids to have a worldview that is not just America. We're raising kids to have a worldview that is not just American church and this thing and that thing that we get all uptight about. We're raising kids to see the need around them, to see the need in the world. We're raising kids to have a worldview that is bigger than themselves. We're a family on a mission, we're family on a mission. My wife shared the first week of this, how she was raised, uh, and, and her family friends were kind of like, hey, I think you're, you know, you're too into Jesus, or you're too into this. But those same family friends who were criticizing them came back, and, and their kids wanted to be at my wife's house growing up, because it was Jesus at the center, it was a place of peace, it was a place of acceptance. And those kids came and got saved at their house. Family was a place of safety for my wife growing up. She had amazing parents. And family was a place where others came in and were transformed. And family was a place my wife went out from to school and didn't get changed by society but changed the world around her because uh, she was confident in who God made her to be. because It was instilled in her. So just like we're a family on a mission, our church is the family of God is a family on mission. I believe what is being cultivated here by Jesus being in our midst, what is being cultivated here by the good news being worked out in our relationships with one another will literally change the world. I believe that what is being cultivated in us as the church is uh, God desires us to be so rich that when we're sent out, like I just alluded to my wife, we're not going to go out and just be changed by the world. We're going to go out and impact and set culture rather than be changed by culture. And that when people come in, we don't just look like the world or trying to be the coolest thing or like desperate to get people in here. But we look like Jesus in this house. And we have a different way of operating than the world around us. But I think as a family, it's so easy to get, and I get it as a parent going from thing to thing, it's so easy to get exclusive. Because you're doing a lot of really great things, you know, and you really love one another. I think it's easy to get exclusive exclusive as a family. I want to just kind of lift our eyes this week uh, because we are a family on mission. That's not my idea. That's God's idea, right? And so when you signed up to be a Christian, when you said yes to Jesus, not because you came to Antioch, but because you're a Christian, you've been given a mission that is bigger than yourself. It's, It's exciting. And so we're on mission because we have a God Who is our father, and he is always adopting people, right? And therefore, as a family, we have an amazing, we as a family are also always adopting people, right? Because that's who our father is, right? So, (coughs) adoption, if you know any friends who've adopted, it's kind of messy at times, it's kind of, but man, it's amazing uh, the stories of life transformation. So, man, that's what we're doing as a family. We have a father that decided a good idea because he's really into people. He really loves people. I'm thankful he is because he chose me and you. He's really into adopting more people who are messy like us into his family. And so we get to be a part of, of doing that as a family. I want to read our passage here in, um, in uh, Luke chapter 14. Um, and I want to read uh, this parable of the great banquet to kind of illustrate this idea Uh, of being a family on mission. Starting in verse 12 of Luke chapter 14. And he said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." When one of those who reclined the table with him heard these things, he said to them, "Blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God." And he said to them, "A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at a time for the, and, sorry and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, "Come, for everything is now ready." But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, "I've bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please, please have me excuse." And Another said, "I have bought five yoke of oxen, right? Why couldn't you come to church today? I got five yokes of oxen. Oxen, I must go examine them. Please have me excused." And another said, "I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Bring it to church, bro. Come on, man. No." <clears throat> so the servant came, reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has already been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that the house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. powerful illustration, Uh, you know, and it's one of those as a uh, pastor that as I'm preparing this, I'm like, oh, God, I need to to make some adjustments here, you know, and and, and, and that's what I love about the Word. It's always speaking to our hearts. It's always changing. So I want to invite us to be encouraged and also challenged by the Word of God. And so you see here Jesus painting a picture of of this great banquet. Now, what is a great banquet? It is a picture of the kingdom of God. It is a picture of the kingdom of God. So you might ask, why is he painting a picture of the kingdom of God like a party, right? So he's painting this picture that the kingdom of God is like a massive party. It's like a massive banquet. I think sometimes we hear here banquet, like very formal, very banquety, very serious. You know, like, Banquets are what you want to go to. Banquets are, if you get an invite for a banquet, are like, yes, that's amazing. Uh, and what an honor. And you go, you have a blast at a banquet, right? So why is the kingdom of God like a party? Now, this is good news because I, I like parties, right? I like parties. I like, I like, you know, people. Now, before I got saved, I like a different kind of parties. But... <clears throat> Man, we have an even better reason to party in the kingdom of heaven. Right? Why is that? Now, as we read this passage, we need to understand that first we were first and foremost the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind. Now, I'll get us, you know, going out, I'll get to that in a minute, but we need to understand that we first were the poor. We first were the the lame and the crippled and the blind. Now, some of y'all, you like came out the womb in church, you know, so uh, maybe you kind of don't remember what it was like to, or maybe your testimony isn't as crazy as my story, but man, apart from Jesus, man, we're a mess. If God hadn't entered into your life, there's no telling what you could have gotten into. There's no telling that you'd even still be alive. I honestly thought that before uh, I got saved, I wasn't going to make it to 30 years old. then I'm, I'm 33 now. So, But I literally, that's where my life was going. Man, we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve a God who loves us. We don't deserve anything. We have a God who's holy. He's perfect. He's right. He's just. He made us for a relationship with him, but we went our own way. We turn our backs on him. We, our sin, crucified his son. And yet, what does he do? He comes after us. That is the celebration of Easter. He comes after us. He pays the ultimate price for us that didn't do anything to deserve it. He goes to the cross for my sin and your sin because he wanted us back. He wanted us to adopt us. And he rose from the dead, defeating sin. Y'all, that's good news. That's that word gospel means good news. As I said two weeks ago, we're not just forgiven sinners. I think sometimes we're like, okay, it's good news. I go to heaven. That's just the beginning, y'all. Like heaven's just the beginning, and that's amazing. He didn't just take away my sin, but he took the shame that went with it, and he gave me value. He took my purposelessness and gave me purpose. He took my hopelessness and gave me hope. He took my self-hatred and gave me self-worth. It wasn't based off some accomplishment or some treadmill that I'd been on my whole life until that point. He gave me self-worth because he loves me. He took my confusion and gave me clarity. He took my fear and gave me faith. He took my worst and gave me his best, y'all. He didn't, yes, come on. <clears throat> he didn't just say, hey, you're forgiven, now stay in the, in the, in, in the outhouse, you know? <clears throat> stay outside the home. No, what did he do? He came for us, he brought us in, and he says, you're not just welcome in the house, I'm making you my child. I'm making you my son and my daughter. I'm putting a ring on your finger, I'm giving you the best, I'm inviting you in, and you're a part of the family. What did we do for that? Nothing. Nothing, y'all. This is good news. Luke 12, 32, Jesus said this. He says, don't be afraid, little flock, for it's pleased your father to give you the kingdom. <laughs> We're going to be a part of a royal kingdom. <clears throat> that is what we have. And so when we look at this contention in verse 17, it says... <clears throat> go say to those who have been invited, come, everything is now ready. What he's alluding to is back then, they would send out invitations before the banquet. But they didn't know the exact time it would be ready, so they would send out, once it was ready, messengers to say, come on down, y'all, this thing's ready. And so what was happening then, contextually, right, is, is People thought the Old Testament were waiting for the kingdom of God to come to them. They were waiting for salvation. They were waiting for hope. They were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for a Messiah. And they were invited, but they were waiting. And they were waiting for the time that you and I now live in. And Jesus come. Yes, the kingdom will ultimately come when Jesus comes back. But Jesus comes. Scripture says the kingdom of God is at hand. The doors are open for us here. We're feasting. We get a banquet here in the kingdom of God. It's ready. It's ready. In the the good news, the gospel transforms those, talking about a banquet, those who feast on it. We're feasting on the good news of Jesus. Y'all, I think sometimes we think the gospel is like something we pray and believe when we got saved, and then we move on to be a good Christian person. No, 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 no. And if that's you, man, that's, that's bondage. God wants to set you free. You see, the good news isn't just some like accessory on the side. It's not some like application I downloaded to get me into the kingdom of heaven. It's my daily operating system. It's not just what I remember on Sunday that Jesus, no, 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 the good news of the cross, guys, It's hope for my discouragement on Monday. It's freedom from my sin on Tuesday. It's strength to love my wife and my kids on Wednesday. It reminds me on Thursday that I'm royalty. It gives me boldness to overcome whatever I'm going through on Friday. And it reminds me that I am free on Saturday. And i got to come on Sunday and celebrate it all over again. And some of us, though, we've forgotten that. And we're trying to accomplish what Jesus did on the cross and fulfill it now by our own works, as Galatians says. And we've stopped feasting. What are you feasting on? Do you believe the good news? It wasn't just when he got saved. It is, it is our operating system. Colossians 1.27, Paul says, don't move from the hope held out in the gospel. What are you feasting on? Hey, uh, some of us are in the banquet, but we've forgotten the good news and we're over in the corner starving. As Christians, Same so of y'all need to come back to the table and remember, man. Jesus paid it all for you. I don't know what you have going on, what kind of shame. Jesus paid it all for you. You don't have to worship three songs to get in the presence of God. You don't need to do good works to be loved by God. You're in, man. That is worth celebrating every day. It is where you never have a hard time. I don't feel like worshiping today. He died for you. <laughs> you know, he gave it all for you. He came for you. That is good news. What are you feasting on? Right? You become what you eat, right? And some of us were, we're eating trash in the corner at the banqueting hall of heaven. I don't know what kind of lies you're believing, what kind of junk we're taking. Honestly, I had to, to move some of my social media all the way over to the right screen. You know what I'm talking about? You have to scroll over to get it. Because I was just feasting. I know I did a series on margin. I started feasting a little too much on just business and activity or whatever. I had to move it all the way to the side so I could focus my feasting on Jesus. What are you feasting on? Y'all, it's because of the good news that we are a family on mission. This isn't like, y'all should probably invite people to church because, you know, we want to grow the church. Or it's not like we should do evangelism because that's a good idea. No, We have the best message in the entire world. We have the most relevant, timeless message. Justin Bieber's come and go. Whatever else, you know, it comes and goes. (laughs) The good news of Jesus has transcended time. It's transcended cultures. It's transcended, and it is relevant every day, and it's not just getting people to heaven. It's bringing the kingdom of heaven to them. That is why... We're, on mis- on, uh, we're a family on mission. Now, I want to I kind of look a little closer at the scripture here to kind of help us understand what it means to be a family on mission and the mission that we're sent on. So, a context here. When, it, when you see people coming to make excuses, wh- why Jesus is sharing this parable, the Jewish people you know, were the, the people of God. And so God had chosen them to be his people, and they were awaiting a Messiah. Now, they had their own idea of, of what the Messiah would do and look like, and they kind of expected him to be like a, kind of like a, a war, a leader of war, you know. And so they kind of didn't know what to do, most of them, with Jesus, and therefore many of them rejected them. And so here you have the people of God, Israel, the Jewish people, waiting for their Savior. Their Savior comes for them, and they reject him, many of them. And that is why Jesus is sharing this parable to illustrate to them, y'all, you're rejecting the very Savior you've been waiting for. But then you see this beautiful thing is that God extends the invitation past just his people to everybody. You need to understand that contextually those who were societies maimed and downtrodden, those that he invited because his people weren't receiving it, they were seen by the Jewish leaders and by the Pharisees, and scribes. they were seen as unclean. It would be this like crazy idea to invite the main and the downtrodden into something as amazing as a feast. And so you see Jesus sharing this parable and he's saying, hey, if y'all are gonna reject me, the kingdom's gonna be opened up to anybody. The kingdom of God is gonna be opened up to those that you think are the most undeserving, the worst of sinners, those who are society's outcasts, the kingdom of God is going to be open to everyone. That's what that word Gentiles is. Those, who are, those of us who are, you know, we're not Jewish people. We're outside, you know, uh, we're not God's, you know, chosen nation people in the old desert. And God opens up the kingdom to all of us. And so, uh, I-, I love one commentator who says, God is more willing to save sinners, than sinners are willing to be saved. He opens up the door, through, the, through their rejection of him, he opened up the door for all of us. And so, therefore, you see this kind of picture, this wide gate. This wide gate, and this good news is amazing. He said, come, bring everyone in. <clears throat> bring everyone in. And I love the words he says, Go quickly, because why should we go quickly? The good news is too good to be without. It's too good. We don't even fully understand the context. It's amazing what Jesus did to open up the kingdom for you and I. It, it was a massive turn of understanding of what happened to open up the royal kingdom of heaven to imperfect people like us. And yet, that is what we have in Jesus. And um, so it says, it says, go quickly. And so, so why, why do we go quick, as I said? I mean, it's, it's good news. We also go quickly because we believe in a real heaven and a real hell. We believe that life is short. I've shared my story with many of y'all before. When I was 16 years old, I saw my friend die in front of me. <laughs> Thankfully, she was uh, a believer. But we believe in eternity, and we also believe that God is, wants to meet people with real lives, with real situations, with real pain, with real hurt, and he wants to invade them with the hope of the good news. God's really into people. So many of us say, well, ah, you know, Easter's coming. I don't know who to invite or I don't know who would be open or whatever, but I guarantee you, you know someone who's going through a divorce. I guarantee you know someone who's discouraged. I, I guarantee you know someone who's depressed. I, I guarantee you, you know someone who's asking some of life questions. I guarantee you, you know someone who's coasting through life and everything looks good on the outside and inside. They're wondering, is this all there is? You might just be kind of, man, I go to work because I, I like the pay here. Or I go to this, but God placed you there in relationships with people. Do we believe we have the good news? Go quickly. Go quickly. When I look back at my story, I was I found myself kind of suicidal and I was shocked to kind of think back like people knew I was going through hell. People knew I was at the end of my rope, and no one invited me to church. (laughs) No one invited me to church. Now God came to my store, and and, man, these guys these Christians came around me after I got saved. It was awesome. encouraging, but no one invited me to church. Y'all, we have the good news, right? There's one thing we can't do in heaven. We're going to worship in heaven. We're going to, you know, it's going to be awesome. I I did a whole thing, uh, and and as we were reading Romans 8 and going through Romans 8 last summer, I taught about heaven and just kind of theologically, what are we going to do? We're going to work. We're going to do all these. It's going to be amazing. There's one thing you can't do to heaven. Is invite people to meet Jesus. We have a one short window here in this life. We can invite people in a hurting and broken world. We can bring hope. We can bring good news, and we can invite them to meet Jesus. One thing we can't do, so practically, I'm really excited for next week. We're gonna have a great time. We got stuff going on after church, great food, and Easter egg hunt, things like that, but Even more so, um, we've got a video that we're going to be sharing of just different people's testimonies and how God has transformed different lives here in our midst. And uh, most importantly, we're going to be proclaiming the hope and good news of Jesus in a way that is going to hit home in the hearts and lives of people. Some man there's an opportunity we have once a year where people are like, "Man, I, you know, I should probably go to church." And so I know that many of us, we, we have friends, we have family, we have people, I want to invite us, man, to take this opportunity uh, to do the one thing we can't do uh, in heaven. We're a family on mission. I was thinking and I've shared this uh, some of you guys have heard this before, but um, I uh, was reminded of my time working at Starbucks. You' uh, work at Starbucks ever. I need Starbucks people. A couple Starbucksers out there. Um, life is so much more fun when you're living as one who's sent. Right? I mean, you're really, when, when, when our life is kind of wrapped up on, man, you know, Starbucks is not my calling and I just feel unfulfilled or this and that and whatever. Now, I have those days too and I understand. But if, man, if we're trying to find our ultimate calling, you know, in, in in, a, in what we're doing, it, it gets a whole lot more exciting when they say, man, God has called me on mission. God has called me to Starbucks for a season. I'm not be here long term, but for one year, I'm the pastor of Starbucks, <clears throat> right? Starbucks may not be my ultimate, you know, lattes is my deal. Now, some of you, y'all are good latte makers. It might be part of your calling. I don't know. <clears throat> but for many, of you might say, hey, Starbucks is not my long term, you know, <clears throat> Latte making is not my like, thing I burn for in prayer <clears throat> or whatever. But man, when we go to work and say, hey, it's not just about making lattes. It's about people. And all of a sudden, I say, I wonder what Jesus is doing at Starbucks. I wonder what it would look like if the kingdom of heaven invaded Starbucks. I wonder if Jesus walked into Starbucks, what would happen? Right? And all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting in the parking lot like I to try and do and take five minutes before I go into Starbucks and say, God, what are you doing today? And God would just speak to And some days I'd have hard days and want to hit people, I, you know. So if that's you, I can understand. I literally almost hit a guy once, and thankfully, by the grace of God, I didn't. That's another story. <clears throat> Ridiculing. Tell me how to make his drink. How long have you worked here? Let me tell you how to make my drink. <clears throat> But man, honestly, I look back, and I can't say I was passionate about Starbucks, but I can say I was passionate about Jesus, and I believe the good news, and I believe that he wants to invade my workplace and your workplace and your family with hope, with life in the kingdom of heaven. So I was just trying to go to work as one who was sent. i reminded of a lady named Wanda, and I prayed for, she said, can you pray for me for healing? And I didn't want to pray. I was like, did not have any faith. I was like, no, I don't want to, but I did say, all right, I'm going to pray for you. I prayed for and I can't say I saw, like, a ton of people physically up, up until that point I prayed for her. I pray for and she is, and I, like, don't feel anything going on. I'm, like, in Jesus' name, you know, and she goes, man, I feel like I'm on the ceiling right now, and I'm, like, I don't know if that's good or bad. What did I do, you know? <laughs> and she says, uh. Man, I feel God's presence. I don't know what's going on. She had a chronic hip pain. She, she walked around like this all the time, just in constant pain for years. <clears throat> she's in her 50s. I pray for her. She gets completely healed <clears throat> between customers. There's a break in customers. She pray for me right there. Well, the manager comes in, and I've been trying to be a witness to him, and <clears throat> he comes in, and she's like, guess what? Jesus healed me, you know? <clears throat> and, uh, and then all of a sudden, she starts telling customers, man, Jesus healed me. You know, So she gives her life to Jesus, I invite her to church. Her husband starts following Jesus. They get plugged in. It was reminded of a, another girl that um, I got to share with her on, on work one day and just share my story of, man, I, I, apart from God, man, I'm a master. Here's how amazing Jesus is. Do you have a relationship with him? Do you want to? She, she's like, man, I need that. So right there at work, she gives her life to Jesus. And we had it. This is back in Texas. She, we had a Christmas thing going on. It's kind of like Easter, you know, we we're like, hey, invite people. We're going to have this thing going on. And so she gets saved, she invites her friend, or I'm sorry, she invites her sister to church Well, her sister gets saved uh, and starts a process of God working their lives. I could keep going down stories of the kingdom of heaven invading Starbucks and my more coworkers that got saved, but, but it wasn't that I made better lattes, you know? Although I did work hard because I believe I'm a Christian and I should be the hardest worker, you know? It was that just I believed that I was living life on a mission, To believe that I'm one who's sent with a purpose. There were many dull days. There were many days where nothing happened for like the first nine months. And then all of a sudden, just people started getting saved. People started, uh, God started showing. One of my coworkers, she said, now when I get sick, I come to work because God keeps healing people through you. (laughs) So she would come and I pray for her and not every time, but she often would get physically healed, right? And so um, I wonder who God has put around us and he said go quickly this isn't an obligation this is an opportunity although in a sense it is a mandate <laughs> it's not really a choice but I want to help us understand this is not something we have to do something we get to do for this short life on earth we're going to invite people to bring uh, to meet Jesus and we're going to bring the hope of heaven wherever we go God would you open up our eyes to see the people around us. You see, God goes with us wherever we go. We're like a mobile home of God's presence. You go to Starbucks, God shows up at Starbucks. When you go to work, God just showed up at work. And in verse 18, it says, they all began to make excuses. Listen, some people may not be open. Some people may not be ready. Some people may not want to hear it. But what if he kept, what if he stopped? You know, this picture is the gospel coming to us. I'm thankful he didn't stop there. In the same way, some people might be ready, but we need to keep going. We need to keep loving. We need to keep sharing. We need to keep going because there are people out there in pain. There are people out there who don't know Jesus. There are people out there who, I mean, we get to have a hard day, and we get to have God with us. There are people out there that have hard days, and they don't, they don't have God. Like, some of you are so used to having God, we've gotten comfortable, you know, I want you to think like on your worst days and then take God out of the equation. We need to keep going. We need to go quickly because you're co-workers, because Jesus died for your family members and your co-workers. And I love he said, so that my house may be full. Y'all, there is no fire marshal capacity in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, keep them coming. Keep them coming that the house may be full. I love that. And my desire is that we are a family that is not only bringing Jesus and going quickly, uh, but we are a church that is compelling people into the house of God. Yeah, that word compelled, by the way, literally means um, to necessitate, drive to, constrain by force, threats, permission, entreaties, and other means. That's what that Greek word means. Now, no one, please no one force someone to come to church. No one be like... I'm going to pull a knife on you if you don't come down. Don't do that, y'all. That's weird. But there is strong verbiage. There is strong verbiage that Luke is using here. Because the kingdom is at hand. And I'm preaching this to help us get Scripture's idea of what we what are we going to partake in. There's an urgency. There's a reality of hope. There's a reality of the kingdom being here. There's a reality of the kingdom being opened up to whoever, whenever, would want to come and meet Jesus. That's awesome. And let me just end by saying, man, our desire is that people don't just meet Jesus, but they get a welcome into a family. What are we going to do when those that need Jesus show up on our doorstep? Scripture says in Psalm 68, 6, that God puts the lonely in families. Romans twelve thirteen says to seek to show hospitality. Now, hospitality literally means the love, for, the love for strangers. And to seek, that word literally the great means to pursue. We're to, we're to pursue people that show up at our door. Because you never know. I remember the first time you came to church. I don't know what you had going on. You were probably intimidated. You were probably discouraged. And, and maybe for some of us, we, you know, we're still in that place. We need to be pursued. We need to be cared for by the family of God. And scripture says to pursue strangers that would walk in our door. Because that's what Jesus did for us. So with our kids, you know, when we have people over, we want to be hospitable. Now, hopefully, if y'all have been to our house, you felt pursued and cared for and hospital, you know, hospitality and those things. But here's what we're doing. As our kids are getting older, you know, our oldest who are five and four, hospitality is not a parents thing that we do. It's a family thing. It's not a, it's not a oh, the parents are the leaders, they're going to make sure it's happening, and we're just going to show up and do whatever we want, you know. It's an us thing. So what we do, you know, our kids aren't cooking food yet, five and four, we're not quite there, but what we do is that, okay, when they show up at the door, you're going to look at them in the face, you're going to say, welcome to our house, Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so, you know. You're going to say, hey, do you want any water, you know. And guys, we're not like putting, you know, they're not like hosting everything. We're just little things, you know. Little things kind of pull them into the journey. Because you see, loving people is not, it's not a parent's thing. It's an us thing, and we're raising them to be Christians, right? Now, same thing. Why do we invite people to church, and why would we love someone that shows the church? Why would we disciple someone that you lead to Jesus instead of just saying, hey, pastor, disciple them, because I got them saved now, and Jesus saved them. Why do we all do it? Because you're Christians. At least those of you here who know Jesus... We're Christians. That's why we do these things, right? So, so this thing is not just, wonder what the church leader going to cook up for Easter and hope someone else invites someone, right? This is a we thing. This is what our family does. And that's not my idea or I am telling you what Jesus told me to say, you know? So we're, we are we family failure mission, and we get to bring the best news in the world to people, and we get to invite people into our house here, and we get to show them love that is from another kingdom, that is from another world. Um, and so that's our desire. We want to have a house that reflects what we believe, and that, that might not be convenient. It says in this first verse, when you have people, invite the poor, the lame, the blind. Now remember, we once were that, all of us. And in many ways, apart from Jesus, we still are that. So in the reality, is we, we're not going to get anything, many of us, in return. right? But that is the nature of, of, of what we're invited into. Um, and, and like I said, we want to have a house that reflects the good news that we believe. And when someone walks in our door, they see lived out what is changing you and I's lives and what we, what we believe. And I think, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's our desire. Uh, Sorry, got a little lost here. That's our desire is that that, that God would continue to (laughs) convince us how amazing he is. He would show us how good he is. And out of that place, we would see the amazing uh, mission and opportunity that we're invited into.